This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Nightlight has partnered with Fan Roll Dice by Metallic Dice Games to offer an exclusive discount on one of their gorgeous dice sets that we've fallen in love with because of their satisfying weight and, let's just be honest, sparklies not to mention their impeccably constructed dice accessories. In one word, velvet. Visit fanrolldice.com, that's F-A-N-R-O-L-L-D-I-C-E dot com, and use our discount code NIGHTLIGHT for 10% off any new additions to your dice hoard. A portion of your purchase will come back to us and help support our shows. So go to fanrolldice.com with the discount code NIGHTLIGHT to get 10% off of any additions to your dice hoard. Hi, I'm Tanya Ransom, creator and executive producer of Nightlight, a horror podcast featuring creepy tales written by Black writers from all over the world. Today, I'm here with the author of Etta, Zora, and the First Serpent, Michelle Tracy Berger. Michelle, how are you? I am super well and just so honored to be here with you today. Excellent. Um, I really loved this story so much. I mean, partially because like I'm a huge Zora Neale Hurston fan. So... Um, And just like that time period in general, I think is really, really fascinating. So I'm curious as to what your inspiration was for this story. Yeah, thank you for that. I, uh, well, I have to say my, 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 my maternal grandmother worked at the Cotton Club uh, for a certain number of years. And I always was fascinated by that sort of time period, the 1920s, 30s, Harlem Renaissance and the Cotton Club and kind of um, her experience as a dancer. Um, and I, I also love dance. I, I, if in another life, um, I'd love to have been a professional dancer. I mean, I love it as much as writing. So I always wanted to kind of craft a story on some level around dance and that time period. And I also love Zora Neale Hurston. And I, the story actually grew out of a, a sort of a writing prompt a couple of years ago where we were asked to have a, um, you know, kind of have a character tell a tall tale. And, you know, I just immediately thought of Zora Neale Hurston. I thought, you know, she's a larger than life personality. And I wanted to set her in a, in a moment where um, she would be engaged in trying to do something really, you know, dramatic um, to further her own career. And then people being, you know, really captivated captivated by her, which is what happens with our main character, Etta, who meets Zora Neale Hurston at a party. Yeah, I, I, I love that time period, like I said before. Um, you know, obviously, like if, if you've got her in the story, you have to set it around that time period. But I'm curious um, if you could have put that story in any time period, where would you have put it? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, if I could have put the story as it is in, a, in another time period, um, that's a really great question. 
I'm thinking maybe the 1980s, 1990s, just because of, you know, kind of where, how and where I grew up. Like I think about dance, also dance movies like Flashdance and fame and, you know, kind of a, a kind of a moment of thinking about dance as an art form that is very different than the moment we're living in. Um, and I think Zora Neherson as a, as a character um, is, is larger in life and could fit anywhere. I, I also have visions of writing more about Zora Neale Hurston. I, you probably know this, but one of her, um, she actually believed that, uh, um, that she could find um, kind of a lost city in Honduras. And so I, I have this fantasy of actually writing an alternate history where she's found like kind of a, a lost magical city in Honduras. So I, you know, I feel like Zora Neale Hurston as a character, as a trope, and as a personality could work in so many different kinds of places, kinds of storylines. Yeah, I, I need you to write that so that I can read that. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing. Like, really, I, I'm, I'm going to need you to not do anything else. Oh. <laughs> Get that well, I think it could be like middle grade. I mean, because I was yeah. kind of thinking of a, you know, kind of a middle grade experience. I feel like a lot of um, a lot of younger people often don't encounter Zora Neale maybe until junior high or high school um, and they encounter her in a particular in a particular kind of literary context but she just as a as a visionary and her ideas were so um, interesting that I think there's a lot of places people could go so so thank yeah. you for that encouragement I'll put that on the list <laughs> yes yes okay great <laughs> okay so can you tell us a little bit about your writing process like that when you write a short story do you you know have an idea before you sit down to start to write do you have everything completely outlined? How's that work for you? Yeah, I really have to start with a character. So I'm one of those people that um, I can even start with a name. So, you know, um, pre-COVID when we were all out in the world, like, you know, if I was in a, a st grocery store, department store, and I, you know, someone has a name tag on and I can just get fascinated by people's names. And so for me, usually it's usually the character. So I, there's a character that emerges in my mind. I get curious about them. And then I'm one of those um, quick drafters. I kind of like, I call it vomiting on the page. So I'll just write a lot. Um, very little of that then will usually end up in successive drafts, but I can kind of write a lot quickly. And so that's sort of typically where I start with a character. And then I ask questions about the character. You know, I ask the character, to tell me their secrets. Um, it, it takes a little while for me to think to move them into conflict. Um, now this story was very different because it was, you know, part of a character prompt and I had these other pieces already kind of, I think, percolating. So that actually, you know, once, once I was sitting down writing, um, much of the context of the story kind of emerged uh, over time, but usually I start with a character and I usually have to write a lot before I figure out, oh, you know, this is what the story is about. And I'm, I'm typically a, a daily, writer I like to kind of touch the work pretty consistently um, that that has worked for me but I also like doing kind of intensive bursts of writing when I have the opportunity to do that but I like doing a little bit of every day and then kind of going deeper when I can yeah that makes sense so where are you at in your career as a writer now oh so such a great question um, I think that what, what I like to tell people is that if I hadn't met kind of a literary mentor and teacher probably about 
10 years ago, I, I would have stopped writing because I was one of those people that wrote um, metaphorically in the basement. Like I, I would go to workshops and I go to conferences, but I never showed people really didn't have a literary community. I didn't show people my writing. And so consequently, like I had a 400,000 word novel. I'm not even joking <laughs> that I would just revise like the first, like, I don't know, hundred thousand words and that never went anywhere. And so luckily I met a great mentor and then just kind of got a little bit more reorganized in terms of thinking about I'd been paying attention a lot to craft, but thinking around the business of writing and thinking more strategically about um, moving short stories and novellas forward, as opposed to just trying to work on a novel, which is, you know, when you're first starting out is a really intense and complex thing. Mm -hmm. So I would say now I'm at a place where, you know, I've had professional publications. I am getting invited to anthologies, which is, you know, themed anthology is such a great honor. My novella came out or was, I should say, was republished last year. Um, so I feel really, um, I feel really grateful to be at this place. I still think I'm kind of considered an emerging writer, which is fine with me because we're all along the path. Um, and so for me, that means like the next step is I'm actually um, working on a horror novel that is due with Falstaff books later this year. So that to me is the next stage of moving from, you know, short and middle range fiction to having a career as a novelist, which is something I've always wanted. And I should add, um, I don't think I had shared this with you before, because I just found out recently, I, I'm really honored that um, I was awarded the um, Kindred Award from the Carl Brandon Society, and they're a society that honors and works around, you know, speculative fiction and, and focuses on people of color. And so I won an award for my novelette called Doll Seed that appeared in Faya magazine in 2019. So I feel like that's a, a huge honor yeah. to have been recognized by people um, in the field. So I'm really happy about that. That's awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about this novel? I can tell you a little bit about the <laughs> novel. Um, I'll just, I'll say um, that it's set in the Great Dismal Swamp. And for listeners, the Great Dismal Swamp is this, one of the largest swamps in, in the U.S. that it, it sort of is partly in kind of um, upper northeast North Carolina and then lower southeast of Virginia. And it's a um, historically it's a place where it was part of the Underground Railroad. During Prohibition, people would, you know, um, go into the swamp and you know, um, create alcohol. And so it, it has this really interesting and long storied history. It, it's now really kind of more of a, parts of it are more um, this larger sort of park, um, but it has this kind of overall history. So my story takes place there. And I'll just say, without saying too much about it, because I'm still working on it, it's um, about things that go terribly wrong in the swamp, both currently and in the past. And um, missing children and um, legends of the swamp. So I'll just, I'll just, I'll just leave it there since I'll, it's still under construction. <laughs> well, I'm intrigued. I cannot wait <laughs> for it to come out. And I know it's going to be years from now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, it is, I am that my draft is a, a good draft. I would say I'm in the make sense draft now. I'm in this sort of second and a half draft, but it, it is, due to the people at Falstaff in, in early June. So then, you know, has to get work through and right. all of that, but hopefully by the end of the year. Yeah. But I will let you know, cause I would love for you to 
to read it. And Please. Look at yeah. It. Yeah, definitely. And we definitely want to let everyone know when it comes out as a reminder. So um, definitely let me know so that we can promote that on social media and whatnot. Mm, thank you. Okay, so let's talk Black Horror. Mm. What is your favorite work of Black Horror? Oh my goodness, it's so hard. <laughs> I, you know, I just, it's just, it's really hard um, for, for lots of different reasons. But I, I would say, I'll just go with what came to me originally. Um, I really am a fan of uh, Octavia Butler's Fledgling. Um, even though that's not the kind of uh, kind of deep psychological horror that I typically uh, read, um, I feel like it just had such a retelling of the kind of vampire myth. It's also, you know, it was her last novel. And I just I just love the the main characters in it, and I I love the the revisioning of um, vampire lore. So that's I would say that's that's what's come to mind. Even though there are other people that I mean, Jewel Gomez's. Um, early work also on on vampires um and tanana reeve work is is also phenomenal but I, i'll i'll go with fledgling as as my favorite you know i think that's an excellent choice that's one of my favorites as well oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know it's just it's one of those it's one of those novels that sticks with you you know yes. like lot lots of staying power in that one yes Yes. And I keep thinking because I've taught her other some some of her other novels. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, but I also think um, I wonder about being able to, to teach that kind of novel because it's such a it pushes a lot of people's buttons, which I think mm -hmm. good horror does and good also good, you know, speculative fiction does. Um, but it's it's it it is it does stay with you in some difficult ways yeah yeah for sure and I, I don't know I think that's worth you know dissecting is you know looking at you know why certain works have that staying power versus you know which ones don't and um yeah I mean I, I think this would be a great selection to teach for sure so how can our listeners support you well I'll just share a couple of places you can find me. And I love connecting with uh, readers and also writers. So um, on Twitter, I'm Michelle with one L, uh, Michelle T. Berger, B-E-R-G-E-R. -E uh, so you can find me there. Uh, for writers, um, my website is, I have a blog that I host and I talk about the creative process there. I do a lot of interviews with writers called The Practice of Creativity. And that's at michelleberger.wordpress.com. Um, so people can kind of check me out there. And I also have an author Facebook page that I post pretty frequently too. And that's under my full name, Michelle Tracy Berger. So I'd love to, to hear from folks and connect with people in those places. Awesome. Well, I will put links to all of those in the show notes so people can just tap or click and get to you easily. Thank you so much for joining us today, Michelle. I really enjoyed talking to you. Oh, thank you. This was so wonderful. I've, I've been looking forward to it for a while. So thank you. It's such an honor to be Yay, here. Yay, I'm so glad. <laughs> we'll be back next week with a brand new story.
the Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.